December 25th, 2018. It was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, reaping fans, money, assets. And yeah, I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety. I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money. The kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends. The kid that got pregnant at 19. I felt stuck. Like I was stuck in the sands of time. I did all the right things. All the things that promised me freedom. And it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was going to be an inside job. And... I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School. Alternative School for the unruly entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service-minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really truly finally fucking sets you free i'm your host andrea crowder and welcome to the unruly entrepreneur podcast let's go to the show existed in worlds of extreme polarity right now i live in a beautiful luxury airbnb i came from a world where my dad didn't pay rent one month because he promised us that he would take us to the water park and he didn't have enough money to do it and as children we didn't know obviously it was between the water park or him being able to pay rent, but that I actually just learned of the truth a few weeks ago, having this conversation with my dad. But I remember it very well. I remember saying, but you promised we're finally going to go. Like we didn't have money as kids. So like getting to go to the water park, I mean, you like the excitement anticipation builds up so much. And so he looks at us and he's like, okay, they're not going to let me out of my promise and I'm a man of my word. So he took us to the water park and he didn't pay rent. <laughs> like we had rats. Um, I actually forgot about that till he was mentioning that the other day as well. Um, I very clearly remember the middle of the night trips to the out not so house. <laughs> and I say that because it wasn't an outhouse. There was no roof. You, I think you need a roof in order for it to be considered a house. So my dad, we didn't have running water. We lived in a trailer somewhere out in the middle of the woods and there was no running water. So my dad dug a hole into the ground and built a box on top of it and then just slept toilet seat on top. And that's where we used the bathroom. So in the middle of the night, I hated having to get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom because you feel so vulnerable and exposed of having to walk outside in the middle of the woods in Washington state. Like there could be bears there. Could, like who fucking knows who fucking knows. Um, despite that, I grew up with a tremendous amount of drive. 
Um, I graduated with the gold honor cord. I graduated pretty top of my class in high school. And then I went um, straight from that graduation stage to a stripper pole to be able to try and pay for college, um, to which I dropped out. I got into, I got really sucked into the world. Um, the, it was really this big illusion of like luxury and freedom that like, I was so drawn to these women just like flying across the pole and just had these little clear boxes. Do you guys remember those from back in the day? They were really trendy. You could buy them at Claire's. They were little like plastic acrylic boxes that you could use as a purse, but we would go into Claire's and we buy them so that you could see all the $20 in there because now I would have the language to say like we were creating social proof, social proof that if you bought a dance from us, it would be excellent because look how many dollar bills we already have from all the people who've already bought dance or a dance or dances from us. Um, so I fell in love with this like illusion of freedom and that illusion actually started stripping away my freedoms and my, um, my ability to like truly see myself. There was so much inner conflict going on of unworthiness and comparison and fear that um, ended up getting into drugs. I have one night where I remember so clearly um, going over to a friend's apartment. Everybody was going to hang and party that night. There was going to be cocaine. There was going to be ecstasy. There was going to be drinking. Like we had it all. And I sat down at the table and there was um, a, a dude there that I had never met before. So most of the people that were there were like friends of mine, drug dealers, strippers, like that was my crowd at the time. And he starts telling this story and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know I got to go hang out, hang out with my homeboy Raymond who just got out of jail for killing this dude a few years ago. And I paused and I was like, Raymond? what's his last name? And he insert his last name. I won't mention it. And I was like, well, that I'm using the word dude, but that's not the word that he used. Um, that dude, um, that he killed isn't dead. He's my dad. It's actually my stepdad. Um, so when I was 14 in junior high school, my stepdad was working at night at an AM PM gas station to make extra money. And he was on like L and I and, um, for some like injuries from work, his wrists had like carpal tunnel or something. I don't remember. I was a little kid at the time. And, um, so in order to make some extra cash, he would go work night shifts when my little brother wasn't in school and he was taking care of him. He would work night shifts um, just to make enough extra money that would support us. And a 14-year-old kid came in with a sawed-off shotgun and robbed him for a carton of cigarettes and I think like 20 bucks. And it was a, a part of a gang initiation. So that was the neighborhood that I was growing up in. And then shot him. And the bullet the doctor said was about the width of three playing cards. So if you go to Vegas and you're playing poker, imagine you have three of those cards stacked together. And that was the distance the bullet was away from his heart. So he almost died. And truly, like a lot of him did. He really got heavily addicted to 
oxy and, you know, like you're, you come out of a extremely traumatic, um, healing process from a gunshot wound. And it's a long time where you have to be on those pain meds. Like, I don't blame him. I totally fucking understand. I think it probably happens to more people than anybody would like to admit, but he got heavily addicted, insanely depressed to the point where one time, um, he convinced us all that he had cancer and he was dying so that he could go off into the mountains and commit suicide. And hopefully we would understand, you know, he didn't want anyone to feel like he was leaving us and he thought like we would get it more if he already had cancer and already was sentenced to death and it wasn't really his choice and he was just trying to like go out his way. None of it was true. When we all found out, we were all so devastated. So this is kind of the world that like I was growing up into and now I'm sitting across from this um, this guy who's looking me in the face and he's like, oh shit, you know, like this is her. This is like the family member of the dude that my homie shot. And he just looks at me and I remember like looking him in the face and I was like, what? (laughs) Like, you guys don't even know. Like I had way more balls than I deserved to have at this age. And I guess that comes from doing a lot of drugs. But he's like, he just looks at me. He looks down at the cocaine and the ecstasy that he's cutting. And he just pushes, I want to say it was like a chopping board kind of vibe or like a, like a glass chopping board, I think. And he just pushes it across the table all the way over to me. And he's like, take what you want. And I got to get high for free that night, all night long, to the point where I was put in cocaine up my nose. I put ecstasy up my nose. I, I was such a shell of a human being to where like, I would lie. Like I would like sneak drugs and like hide them in my panties so that like guys wouldn't know that I was stealing their drugs. Like this, (laughs) if you knew me today, you'd be like, if like my fingernail pulls a thread of a sweater that I'm trying on in a dressing room, I will go up to the lady and say, hey, my fingernail pulled the thread. Go ahead and charge me for this sweater. <laughs> like, I don't fucking lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. Like, it's just not who I am. Not going to go down that road. But at this time in my life, like everything like was based out of scarcity, desperation, unworthiness, and fear. And that night I did so much cocaine and ecstasy and God knows what else that my friend drove us back to her mom's house where we were just going to go pass out and we roll up and she parks in the fucking grass in the front yard, doesn't even like pull into the driveway and she pulls in and she, I get out of the car and her mom comes up to talk to me and I think I'm speaking English to her but I'm not, I'm speaking gibberish. None of my words are coherent to any sober human being. So I'm talking to her, blah, 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 blah. None of it's fucking English. I'm literally speaking babble. I'm so blown out of my mind. I go crawl into my best friend's bed at the time. And I remember like looking up at the 
those like cheap blinds that like most houses come, you know, like installed with and just turning the, the little blind wand so that the sun would stop pouring into the window. Cause it's already morning. Like people are getting up and going to work and we're just crawling into bed. Probably late morning. I have no fucking clue. I remember closing the blinds, falling asleep. And the only time I got up was to pee. And I think I probably only got up maybe once, maybe twice, but I didn't even get up the next day. (laughs) Like I want to say I slept for a full 24, 25 hours. And I remember just continuously waking up and like opening my eyes and I'm like, is it daylight? And thinking like it was still daylight from that day, but it wasn't, it was the next day that I was already into. And it wasn't very much longer after that, that I got pregnant. I was dating this guy. He was really into me. I was really into him. He had a CVX (laughs) or CRV. Wait, what's it called? CRV maybe? Those teeny little cars that kind of sound like sport cars, but they're they're like didn't even make the cut for Fast and Furious. (laughs) Anyways... I really fell for him because there was something about him that like really tuned into my needs and actually like listened during moments, but he was still like rooted in a lot of fear. We all were like, we're all in like a fucked up world, like no harsh judgment. Like I'll tell this story truly with love, respect and reverence for the role that he played in my life um, because it wasn't an easy role. And um we have no hard feelings. Like we've, you know, chatted in the recent years and, um, whatnot. But anyways, so he, I, I felt really seen by him and I was craving that. I was always the insecure girl who was like too shy to introduce herself. Ooh, I'm like getting a little choked up. Ooh, I got some feelings in that. Like all of high school is just like craving to be seen and doing it in such like a, from a state of desperation. If you guys follow human design, I have an open heart. So I was like constantly trying to prove myself, like who can do the most drugs? I bet I can beer bong more beers than you. Like that was my way of proving myself. So anyways, like we're seeing each other for not very long. I don't know, two, four weeks, no more than weeks. Okay. It was a summer love. Can't even call it a love. Summer lust summer something. (laughs) And we find out that his ex-girlfriend's pregnant. And so he's like, okay, like, I have to cut this off with you. I have to do the right thing. She's pregnant. And so he does, we cut it off. I'm like living with him at this point. Cause I had moved in with my brother who was living with him and my apartment had just gotten What's the word for what? Like a car gets repossessed, but like something else happens with an apartment. I can't remember. Anyways, so I'm like temporarily living with them, trying to like figure out where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, and like we had this like summer situation where we were like super obsessed with each other for a little bit, and then he decides to get back with his girlfriend. So I'm like, okay, I'm still living with them, but we're in agreement. Like he's he wants to do the right thing. I respected that. And then I remember one day I woke up and like my boobs hurt and I was like, oh fuck, like why is this, why do they feel so tender? 
And I messaged one of my best friends. Do you guys remember the little blue Nokia phones where you have to like punch the letter three times to get to the C? So I'm like texting her with my little blue Nokia phone. And she had a baby when she was 14. So she's the only person that I knew in my life besides my mom who the fuck I was not calling (laughs) this moment, obviously. And I was like, is this a thing? Like can your boobs hurt? And she's like, Andrea, don't you fucking dare. Don't you fucking dare. So I walk into a grocery store and I don't have any money. Like I'm bouncing checks at this point to pay for food. And I walk into the grocery store and I just grab a um, pregnancy test and then I just hold on to it and I walk around like I know what the fuck I'm doing and I just walk right back into the restroom of the grocery store and I pee on the stick all by myself in one of those awful, cold, frigid, damp, fluorescent lighting grocery store bathrooms and I pee on that stick and I look down and I see two lines and I'm like, no fucking way. And the guy that I had been seeing not not days before this, I'm going to say like maybe 24, 48 hours before this happened. I remember him looking at me casually and he's like in it. He's like realizing he's about to be a dad. We're all fucking teenagers. We're 19. We're babies. And he looks at me and he's like, if you were pregnant, I would fucking drive my car off a cliff. And we all laughed. (laughs) We're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and he, I get home and I realize like, I'm going to have to tell him. So I like, I told his friends and I'm like, you guys have to like rally. Like, I don't know what to do. We're all young. We're all dumb. We're all fucking immature. And I'm like, somebody like, we can't let him go out the door. He literally just said like, he'll drive his car off a cliff. And he comes home and I look at him and I was like, I have to tell you something. I don't even like fully clearly remember this. So I'm just going to like fill in the blank and assume that like, I'm telling you guys like exactly what happened. All what I do remember is that I informed him. He looked me in the face. He said zero words he turned around and he walked right back out the door and left in his car. And I'm panicking now. Like he's going to, he's going to do it. Luckily that wasn't the case, but that was the beginning of my adult years. I would say now to the state that my son saved my life. I remember um, I moved to, I moved to Las Vegas. Oh, well, here's a like key part of the story. Um, once I told him at first he was like, okay, once he, his nervous system had regulated enough to like take it in, he's like, well, if both of you are pregnant and I want to do the right thing by one of you, like I would rather be with you. Like they broke up for a reason. They both would say this to this day. Like a lot of trauma came on later for both of them to which I wasn't a part of, but I've heard the stories and So at first for like a little bit, we were like, okay, we're back together. She says something along the lines, and this is only what I've heard from him. According to him, he, she said, if you don't stay with me, um, you'll never see your kid. 
So at that point, he felt like his back was against the wall. He broke up with me again. And he looked at me and he's like, she's on the way to the house right now and you can't be here. So I had to take all of my things, put them in one of those huge, hefty, like black trash bags. And he put me in his car with the huge trash bag, like squeezing, you guys remember those teeny little cars, the CRX, CVX, <laughs> CVS, is that what I'm thinking? I don't know. Anyways, um, and drops me off in front of the mall. So I'm sitting here holding my big black trash bag. I don't have any money. And I think this is the time where you had to have like a certain amount of minutes because I remember having to pick up the phone and collect call from a pay phone. Do you guys remember those? You'd put like a quarter in there or whatever and be able to call someone. So I pick up the phone, I collect, call my best friend's mom and I was like, can you come get me off the side of the road? So I'm like sitting there on the side of the road, pregnant, broke, homeless. I don't know where I'm going to live. And I realized like, okay, I'm going to have to go move back in with my mom and she lives in Vegas now. And so I moved to Vegas. I get a job making five seventy-five an hour so I can start saving up for fucking diapers. <laughs> I'm taking the bus to work. I'm standing there in the Vegas heat, pregnant as hell. I can't even take a hot shower because I would throw up. Like that's what pregnancy was for me in the first trimester. And I'm standing outside in the hot Vegas heat in, you know, September at this time waiting for the bus to come pick me up as like, you know, trucks full of all the construction workers are passing and like cat calling me. And then I'm now heading to the mall to go fold t-shirts and work at the limited too, which actually I really liked, (laughs) really liked working there. Like it was a good vibe. Um, so I, after I have my son, he, was a little colicky at night. And I remember we had a really hard time latching at first. I got, um, I got mastitis and it was to the point where it was like feeding him on an open sore. I was so freaking like chopped and like scab. <laughs> I'm like, sorry guys, if you're listening to this, like, but the ladies know if you've ever had it, it's awful. I was so sick that my stepmom thought she was going to have to take me into the emergency room. She was so concerned about me. And, um, I remember just one night as my son's like crying and like, he's trying to latch and he can't, and he's hungry and he's sad and I'm sad. And I remember just looking down at him and crying, like, what the fuck? I'm a baby and I have a baby and this little person is depending on me. And I remember just watching like all of my tears, like I'm going to try hard not to like cry even telling this story. I remember watching my tears just like hit his face and like our tears are now combining and becoming one. And I remember just thinking, I'm going to become a woman that you will be proud of someday, that someday you will be so proud to introduce me as your mommy. And he saved my life. Otherwise I would have been back down that road of like drugs and cocaine and ecstasy and like stripping and God knows what else would have come after that. Like I know who my friends were at that time. There was jails. There was, people were dying. People were going to jail there was shit happening across borders. Like 
it would have only gotten worse and just progressed from there. So like he gave me something to turn my life around for. And I have spent the rest of my life trying, not even trying, like intending and taking action in alignment with becoming someone that someday that they would be so proud to introduce me and say, that's my mom. And I remember when my kids were little, like, gosh, like late elementary school, Jackson, I had started my business and Jackson was listening me talk to him about something, or maybe he was listening me talk to somebody else. And he just looks at me and he said, mom, I'm really proud of you. (laughs) You guys, you know, the fucking waterworks started. Oh, fuck, man. (laughs) Real fucking waterworks. And the relationship that I have with my kids today is like, you know, I have a lot of people message me even on social media and they're like, how do you do it? Like, how do you stay so close to your kids? And that's probably about like seven episodes of the podcast that we can talk about at some point. But it started with the intention, you know? It started with like, I want to be it. Not to tell my kids what to do, not to say this is how you go and get there, but to just be it. I wanted to be the mom that they could be proud of. I wanted to be the person, the adult that they, that I wanted to see them as someday. And now I look at my business and the reason that I started this podcast and it goes back to that girl who was underneath the fluorescent lights and so desperate to feel seen and heard and validated and free. And that's what it came back to is I have been setting that girl free in little teeny ways, compacted now over the last 20 years. Actually, yeah, 20 years, literally. I got, it's August 2nd. I got pregnant with my son in August 20 years ago. And little teeny efforts over the last two decades to continuously set myself free. So yes, one might come across my life today and see, wow, must be nice. (laughs) Good for her, but she doesn't get what I'm going through. Good for her, but an insert whatever vomit may ensue afterwards. Yeah, good for me. Good for me. But the thing that I want to do an excellent job at is illustrating the bridge that it took me to get here, the unbecoming in order to get to the becoming. I started writing a book in 2020 that I haven't finished, and who knows if I ever will. <sighs> Don't message me about this, please. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll turn somebody will turn my podcast into a book. Done. <laughs> but I was actually just reading a part of it before I started recording this, and I wrote: the process of unbecoming can feel like a turbulent flight to your dream life. Some parts are smooth, 
Some parts are gasp-worthy views. And then turbulence. (laughs) Feels like you might be dying. (laughs) You're praying to the gods, to the angels, to like whatever. You're praying for any external source of power. You might cry. (laughs) You might scream. Do it all. It's a part of the process. But I can promise you that when that plane lands, you will be in a paradise that is more magical than your mind will allow you to imagine now. The air will smell reminiscent of your favorite flower. You will smell love. You will smell luxury. You will smell beauty. And you will smell strength. And that scent is you. It's the smell of your freedom. (laughs) I knew I wasn't going to be able to get through this first episode without crying. (laughs) And it's always so awkward because you're recording it by yourself and you're like, who am I even talking to? (laughs) But I was (laughs) texting in my team chat yesterday. And at the beginning of the month, we like to celebrate our milestones from the past month. And, and there's such a variety, like we celebrate everything. Like we have such a deep and epic, epic culture of celebration in our team and just even personally in our own lives. And it's something that like is so fundamental to me and like my satisfaction and success and my internal sense of freedom. But Everybody was sharing theirs. And most of the time what we celebrate, like, yes, we all make more money than we ever have. Like, yes, we all have like had all of those like cool external celebrations. You know, one of my team members just bought her dream car yesterday and 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 showed up in my driveway today and we went coasting along the A1A in Southern Florida and it was amazing. Like the external shit's legit when you can like fully savor it. But the thing that typically comes out most is like, I just responded so differently to this. And they said, what are yours, Andrea? And I was like, I feel so overwhelmed by mine right now and the place that I'm at in this moment in time in my life. But it feels like I like beat the matrix. (laughs) that's what it feels like. It feels like I won the game. Like it's not that life doesn't happen to me. It's not that shoes don't drop. Like my house fucking burned. My dream house that we had just finished renovating like three weeks before this in June of this year. So it's August 2nd on June 10th, I believe June 9th or 10th, my, my freshly renovated million dollar, million plus dollar dream home, had an electrical fire above the pantry. It started in the ceiling, came down the pantry, took out the kitchen and what the fire didn't take, the smoke and the heat did. So our house is empty, charred, hot as hell right now and waiting to get renovated again. And so it's not that shoes don't drop. It's that I don't have those visceral responses to them anymore. It's that I feel pleasure over pressure like 90% of the time. 
And the pressure that I feel that used to feel like a 10 now hits like a 0.05, a one at the max. I can't remember the last time I felt like pure, like unbridled fucking anxiety and pressure. Not because I'm special and because I'm God's chosen, not because I have money in the bank. Trust me, I've had money in the bank and the pressure did not leave, but because I've done a lot of things to rearrange how my mind processes information, events, and experiences and how I respond. Like I've made these internal adjustments to my nervous system and we're going to talk about all of that. (laughs) But it feels like if. It feels like my house can burn down and I'm going to be great. Not just okay, fucking great. (laughs) Uh, I can be getting a divorce, which is happening, divorcing the love of my life. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about that (laughs) at some point, many podcasts. Um, Walking away from someone, not that you love, but somebody, or not that you hate rather, like, but somebody that you deeply, deeply, deeply love. And even though I'm like, I have moments of sadness, it's like sadness fruited in like gifts and love. Like I was so lucky to have experienced that and it's heartbreaking and the amount of joy that I hold in my body every single day right now is like stupid. (laughs) It doesn't even feel real and possible to the point where the other day I messaged a friend. I was like, I got to figure out how to turn the, turn the dial down on pleasure. It feels like I've been in, feels like I've been having an orgasm for three, three hours straight. And it's actually getting a little intense, obviously like metaphorically, because I was like driving and like sitting on my patio and just like life was so good. Life is so good. That smell of love and luxury and beauty and strength, that scent is me. That scent is the smell of my freedom. And when I set my free, myself free, I can set my sisters free. And when I set my sisters free, I can set my daughter free. And when I set my daughter free, I can set my community free. And when I set my community free, we can set the whole motherfucking world free. And it all starts with me. Say that. It all starts with me. Because what happens to one affects all. And as we take these coats that we've been wearing since birth off, these coats that we've maybe been wearing from generations before us, when we take the conditioning and the belief systems that we've been wearing unconsciously and and, and, and ruling our life from, and we start to question everything, How many times did our parents say growing up money doesn't grow on trees, yet it literally fucking does? (laughs) Like, we live in a fucked world. (laughs) It's like, how did that ever become a thing? (laughs) And yet it did, and yet here we are, and yet here we go. And here we go. And that's why I'm starting this podcast. And now I see now why, like I've been trying to start this podcast for the last year. In fact, the artwork's been done and the artwork has actually been redone 
because there were there were some puzzle pieces that needed to drop in and here I am and here you are and here we are and here we go. The unruly entrepreneur stands for unruling, stands for deconditioning, stands for questioning everything. Question everything in order to truly become free. You know, I was talking to my mentor tonight and he was like, who cares if that's true? Who cares if you can prove it? What I want to know, is it relevant? Is it useful? And does it serve me? Because if that truth doesn't serve me, if that truth, this is me speaking now, not him. If that truth starts to put those layers and those coats and those shackles back on me, fuck it. I'm going to make my own shit up. I don't care. I'm here to live. And it's so funny because don't we all know that there are some things that we used to feel like were so true that now we look back and we're like, what a cute version of myself. I mean, like most of us probably started with the idea of Santa Claus and then we realized like that's a lie. I found that out when I saw my dream like Dalmatian colored umbrella in my mom's closet and then it made its way under the Christmas tree and I was like how'd you get that (laughs) but then I even look at a lot of like my spiritual beliefs like the laws of this world that I believed were so rooted in fact undisputable truth and now I live something completely different and I'm like okay I'm gonna have to question what I actually define as truth at this point, because what I meant was, was belief. And belief does not mean fact. Belief is just a thought that we've thought over and over and over that we believe as truth. But don't we know that beliefs change? And I believe that the belief is just a thought over and over is maybe a Joe Dispenza quote. So here we are. And I'm inviting you on a journey with me, a journey of questioning everything and being willing to question again and letting our beliefs, our truths, our understandings of ourselves evolve and looking through the lens of who cares if it's true? Is it relevant? Is it useful? And does it serve me? Does it serve me and who I want to be and where I'm trying to go? So we're going to question everything. I'm going to bring on guests. We're going to have amazing like conversations and dialogues, but all of this is to help challenge the beliefs that we've been operating our life within to show how to shift those patterns that have kept us stuck, possibly broke, or at least feeling broke and unhappy to set ourselves fucking free. And I fully believe even in this moment, even though I'm going through a divorce and my house fucking burned. And guess what? The silver linings of all of that was like, I'm watching this happen, like my my dream home. I'm walking in and it's covered in water, ash, charred, the smell, windows are shattered. It was like, apocalyptic. It was so crazy. And then walking out of that house and wouldn't she know the universe plopped me in this beautiful 
Airbnb, which like I live in Southern Florida, I can find an Airbnb that's perfect anywhere. But wouldn't you know that it plopped us right in this Airbnb that happens to be blocks away from where last year, a year ago, that long pause is not because you're, (laughs) is not because your audio just went out. I just had something hit me like a ton of fucking bricks. I was thinking like a year ago this month. Nope. A year ago today. Today's August 2nd. Today is my anniversary. A year ago today, I was celebrating my anniversary by myself. Um, My husband has been going through a tremendous amount of healing and he was unable to participate in that event last year. And so I said, I'm going to celebrate anyway. And I showed up for a dinner reservation at the top of one of my favorite buildings. And I enjoyed the view by myself and I decided to just go for a long drive. I put the top down on my car. I have a convertible. I put the top down just enjoyed the beautiful weather in Fort Lauderdale. And I remember just driving through all these random neighborhoods, looking at all these cool houses. And this little park came up. And I remember thinking, like, that is so cute. Like, there were, like, little geese everywhere. There was a gazebo. And I remember thinking, I'm going to stop. So I got out. I took my shoes off. I'm like walking through the grass and it's right on the inner coastal. So I can hang my feet over the edge and there's water. And I look up and across the way. And I remember looking at this house that lives over there. And I remember thinking, that house looks like a happy house. I want to own that house someday. That's going to be my happy house. And now I live blocks away from there and I can walk to it. And I'm telling you guys, I'm going to be the crazy lady that knocks on the door, hands them my card and say, please put this on your fridge because when you're ready to sell, call me first. I'll get the deal done for you. (laughs) And now I get to walk there and hang my feet over the edge. And even though my life looks wildly different, we're in, we're just starting the renovation of our house at that point. I thought that I was going to stay married for forever. And, but I remember thinking like that house will be a happy house and whoever comes in that house is going to contribute to the energy of joy And declaring that for myself, and I meant it. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I didn't know that my life was going to (laughs) burn. One of my best friends showed up yesterday, no, two days ago, and she said, "Um, I have a gift for you. I have a surprise. And I was like, I love surprise. I love the surprise more than I love the present most of the time. But in this case, she killed it. And she handed me, um, we have this joke that I used to say, like, you know, like, whatever it isn't work in your life, just burn it down. <laughs> my house burned and we're like, maybe we should stop using the fire emoji and talking about burning. And 
it turned out that this number of sil- silver linings that have occurred in my life since then of like putting me in this house, walking distance from my happy house, the people that I've met along the way, the sense of like, I could like walk to the water from here, the sense of like peace and like joy and like ecstasy that I feel all the time. Um, so she opens up the, or she hands me the gift and I thought it was just like this little card that she printed my favorite like life motto. My motto for life is I reserve the right to change my mind about anything, anyone, anytime. And so she printed the artwork that our brand artist, Dejan, had created on this little cardstock. And I was like, oh, I love it. And I was just going to like set it down in my bathroom. And she's like, no, 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 open it and look inside. And I open it up and on this necklace, there is a gold fucking match. <laughs> I laughed so hard that I cried. I was like, I'm going to cry right now. Please do not worry. They're good tears, not bad tears. Do not be concerned. And she's like, oh, I did not expect that. But it was like so symbolic of knowing that like, not just believing and like stating the mantra that like everything's working out for me. And I know in like the spiritual community that can be said all the time, like everything's for me, everything's in my favor. It's one thing to think it and it's one thing to know it. As your house has burned, you still know and you're still able to create the sense of like joy and like awe and surprise and and see it as like a true gift. And like I really got to see myself evolve through that this year where I was thinking yesterday on the beach, I was like, I was like, is this temporary? am I just like in a season where life feels really good? Like what if a shoe drops? And then I was thinking, I was like, what other fuck? I mean, like, sure, a shoe could drop, but like shoes have dropped and I'm still holding this motherfucking vibration. (laughs) My house burned. I'm in the middle of a divorce and I am the happiest that I ever have been. I am still full of love and reverence and like peace and awe of you know, my soon-to-be ex-husband and who's been like my best friend for 20 years. I am still in like gratitude for this home that like I can't even exist in that probably will just make us a lot of money at some point. Like I'm still in awe of like all of these things that were just, universe was just like pivot (laughs) and then like launched me in another direction. And I just rolled with it. And that's what I see for you. It's not that life doesn't happen. It's that your response to life fundamentally changes for good. Where you look back at life and you're like, huh, remember when that used to trigger the fuck out of me? Remember when I used to believe that? Remember when I used to behave that way? Remember when I was stuck in that pattern? Remember when I felt stuck in life? Remember when my income was there and then all of a sudden like, holy shit, it's here. Remember when, remember when, remember when, and you remember it, but you can't access the trigger anymore. You can't access the pressure anymore. You can't access the pain anymore. You can just be aware that it happened and almost be in awe of it sometimes. I'm in awe. (laughs) I'm grateful for all this shit that I've walked through. I'm grateful because on the other side of that, like I said, 
right when I started, I have lived a life of polarity. And because I felt such deep pain, the pleasure on the other side of the pendulum is just as intense. And it's amazing. I was walking my dog last night and coming back and one of my neighbors just pulled into the driveway and he got out and he just got home from a trip. And he's like, hey, how's it going, neighbor? How you doing? And I just looked at him and I was like, so good. <laughs> like, I'm that crazy person that instead of saying like, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm busy, but you know how like most people reply when they say, how are you? But I just like pause. Like I couldn't even answer him at first. I was like, I'm so good. I'm like living magic. Shoes are dropping all around me and I just don't respect. Like I didn't say that exact thing because I don't think he would have fucking got it. (laughs) He would have been like, huh? What are we talking about now? Right? (laughs) It's amazing when you pull people into like this world and they're like, huh, what are you talking about? (laughs) They don't get it. That's what I see for you. That's why I exist on this planet at this time, in this place, with this platform, with these tools, with this fucking microphone to show you the way to walk it, live it, breathe it first. The unruly entrepreneur, yes, it's mostly focused on people who have some sort of business. You're self-employed in some way, shape, or form. But it could be for visionaries of any kind, truly, or for anyone who really wants to set themselves free. But the reason that I wanted to niche in on entrepreneurs is because we have platforms and we use microphones to spread messages. And so I'm calling on you that as you go through this work with me, as we decondition, as we change beliefs, as we question everything, as we feel pleasure more than pressure, and as we tip those scales that you pick up your mic, turn it on, and tell as many people as can hear you, and never shut up until you have no breath in your lungs. Will you make that promise with me? Thank you guys for getting through. Like, I actually have to go wipe snot off my face now. Have you been hearing me trying to, like, wipe it off? (laughs) I didn't anticipate, but I should have, like, how emotional this recording was going to be. So thank you guys for bearing through it with me. Thank you guys for being willing to go on this journey. And I look forward to every ounce of pleasure that we co-create together and share with this world from today and the rest of our lives. Because that's what an unruly entrepreneur does. Hey, this is Lorelai, COO of The Unruly Entrepreneur. If anyone came to mind as Andrea was sharing stories today, make sure to grab that share button, drop the link to your bestie, and leave us a review. Like and subscribe to get more. And then if you want an extra dose of bliss, we're going to give you the top secret invite to Andrea's private podcast episode, where she'll turn the bliss up and help you zoom in on what's bringing you some serious joy in your life. Head to the show notes to accept your invite.